Our scripture today is taken from Acts 20, verses 17 to 38, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that three years, for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The word of the Lord. After a while, as time goes by in pastoral ministry, you start to counsel a fair number of people. And what I hear quite often is sometimes people, and you may feel this way right now, or you may have felt this way before. Sometimes people feel useless to God and to his people and to the community of faith. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people are sick. Their health is poor, maybe physically, maybe mentally. Um, they're going through a hard time. Uh, maybe they, they've gone through crisis. You know, they've lost a loved one. Maybe they're out of work. Maybe they have no money. Uh, there are times in our lives when we feel that we have nothing to contribute or that we have nothing to offer. I remember uh, an older man 
uh, years ago in our former church uh, who uh, he, he suffered from, he struggled with a mental illness. It was a, chronic, it was a chronic issue for him. He had strong faith, but he was often discouraged. It was part of his illness. And one of the things that discouraged him was he always felt like he wasn't contributing uh, to the body of believers. He always felt like like he was like he was handicapped and really couldn't roll up his sleeves and and bless people and encourage people and and live out his faith to the fullest. What's interesting though is from my perspective the man was was very faithful. He he had a ministry. He would always pray for missionaries. He had a list of missionaries that he knew about and would read about and he would pray for them faithfully and regularly and it was important to him. He happened to be a very generous man. Um, at the time in, in, our, in our lives, we, we had less kids, but there, there was something we needed as a family that we couldn't afford. And this man provided it regularly. He, he, he took care of us in a particular way. We needed a certain service. We couldn't afford it, and he took care of us. And, and I remember saying to him, you know, you feel like you are spiritually poor, but you are truly blessing a lot of people. You're praying for missionaries. You've been very, very generous to me and my family. God is using you. Just keep on. You know, just press on. Stay the course. Right? You are actually being a blessing. The reason I bring him up is he was a picture to me of faithfulness. Faithfulness, just sticking with something. Staying on task with your faith. Staying the course. Actually, my hope today is to encourage you, especially if you're discouraged and you're wondering, what can I, what can I offer to God? What can I offer to other people? Um, my hope is to encourage you. Actually, your faithfulness, your faithfulness may be the most valuable thing you actually have to offer. Your faithfulness may be the most precious thing that you could ever give. And today I want to talk to you about Paul's faithfulness and your faithfulness. And I want to talk about God's faithfulness also. Paul's faithfulness, your faithfulness, and God's faithfulness. Now, Paul was a man with many strengths. He knew that. If, if you read about his life and you read about his letters, you know that Paul was an impressive person. He had a massive intellect. He had, he had an amazing world-class education. Before he followed Jesus, he had an impeccable moral reputation. And he was a man of passion and a man of vision. And he seemed to have a relentless amount of energy. And he was very creative. And, and, and he was tenacious. And he was long-suffering. But, but Paul's faithfulness, we often don't think about this, but Paul's faithfulness, as we see here in Acts chapter 20, his faithfulness benefited the early church. If it were not for his faithfulness, none of those other traits would have been good to anybody. He's, um, as we read in Acts chapter 20, Paul is wrapping up his third missionary journey. He's, he's been all over the Greco-Roman world, almost, kind of. Uh, he's, he's done this three times now, and he's wrapping up his third missionary journey, and he's sailing from basically Greece to Jerusalem. But he, he wants one last word with the Ephesian church that he had planted. He had spent over three years uh, in the province of Asia, in the area of Ephesus, 
uh, building up a Christian community there. He invested a lot of time in that area and in those people. Well, on his way, on his, on his way back at the end of his journey, he, he wants one more word with them. And so in route from Greece to Jerusalem, he basically stop, he, he's in Miletus and he asks them because he's trying to save time. He wants to be back in Jerusalem before Pentecost. Luke tells us earlier in the chapter. So he sends for them to come to where he is so he doesn't have to head inland over to Ephesus. And the elders of the church meet with him. Now, what's interesting is this is the only public message, the only public address in the book of Acts that is addressed to Christians. It's the only time in Acts where you hear a message given and it's given to Christians. It's not an evangelistic, uh, it's not a missions message. It's a message for Christians only. It's a message for the church. And what he's doing is recounting to the Ephesian elders his faithfulness to what God had called him to do. He says in verse 18, you know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. And then in verses 20 and 21, he he talks, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says again in verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And then in verse 31, he said, for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Not that he was always weeping and always crying, but he was a compassionate, empathetic man. He could relate to those he was talking to. He could, he could mourn with those who mourned. And, 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 and understand and be sensitive to their weaknesses. But he keeps saying again and again, I didn't shrink from my calling. I was faithful to what God had called me to do among all of you. Despite all of his trials and everything he suffered through, his persecutions, uh, the way he was slandered again and again, um, what had happened to him in the past, what he knows is going to happen, because he, he's saying that, The Spirit of God has revealed to him that when he goes to Jerusalem and wherever he goes, he's going to suffer because of his his Christian faith. He knows knows what he's been through, and he knows, in a sense, what he's getting himself into. Despite all of that, he goes on to say in verse 24, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was Paul's calling. That was his purpose. He was a missionary, and God had called him to spread the news of the gospel of Jesus, the good news. And he knew that was his calling, and he's saying that what's more important to me than my own life and my own safety and my own well-being is to finish my course, to do what God's called me to do. He said something years later, very similar to this. At the end of his life, near the end of his ministry, he's writing to his friend and, and kind of his protege, Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said to Timothy, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The same language there. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also, also to all who have loved his appearing. He wasn't so concerned about his life and his safety and, and receiving accolades and success and comfort now because he knew his reward was waiting for him beyond all of this. Why is Paul going on and on and on like this to the elders of Ephesus? Is he bragging? No, he's just talking about himself. What's the point of that? Well, he's urging them to be faithful in their calling. He's using his own life and his own ministry as an example. He says in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He's saying to the elders of the church in Ephesus, you do what you're called to do. I did what I was called to do. I'm a missionary and I was sent to preach the gospel. You do what you're called to do. You're shepherds of his church. You take care of the sheep. You feed the sheep. You guard them against wolves. Because they're coming. That may be why some scholars think Paul wanted to meet with them on his, on his way out of that area in the world. Because he, he, knew, he knew that things were brewing in Ephesus. And uh, he, wanted to, he wanted to get back with the leadership that he had trained up. Um, and encourage them. And urge them to stay true. To stay true to their calling. So I've been faithful. Now you be faithful to your calling. God works through the faithfulness of his servants. Many of you have been blessed in your life because some people were faithful to what God had called them to do, to what God had called them to say, to whom God had sent them. They were faithful and God works and can work through your faithfulness. Now, are you remaining faithful? Let's, let's put aside the elders in Ephesus and let's talk about ourselves. Are you remaining faithful to what God's called you to do, to who God's called you to be, to the people he's called you to, to the work that he's called you to? Regardless of whether you're experiencing progress or whether you're experiencing setbacks, are you being faithful to what God's called you to do? Your faithfulness to God's calling could be the most generous thing you'll ever offer in this life. Paul, in verse 35, as, as he winds down his charge to the elders, he quotes the Lord Jesus in verse 35. It, it's, it's, this is a saying that's not recorded in any of the four Gospels. Um, it was something, apparently, that Jesus had said, and people remembered it, and it was circulated, and Paul remembered it, and, and Paul is using it, and Luke recorded it. Jesus had said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what's interesting to me is that on the surface seems to be about generosity, right? Which is consistent with all of Jesus' teaching. The statement seems to be about generosity if you just read it by itself. But in the context, look at the context of what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about faithfulness. So he quotes Jesus talking about generosity... In the context of faithfulness. How do you put that together? Well, you may have time on your hands. Great. You may have money that other people don't have. You may have resources available to you that others don't have. You may have wisdom. You may have things you've learned from your experiences that you can share with other people. You probably have gifts that the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, has given you. 
And even if you're not a Christian here, we all have skills and abilities and talents uh, that we were just born with or, or have picked up along the way. You have assets, you have resources, okay? But there is nothing more generous. Considering everything that we have collectively or as individuals, there's nothing more generous than staying the course. There is nothing more generous than finishing your race. According to Paul, because all of those assets and all that you have to share and everything that you've been given is useless if you're not faithful. Maybe, maybe the apex of your generosity in life is being faithful to what God's called you to. And and people will be blessed because of your faithfulness. Have you ever thought of it that way? That your, your faithfulness is an invaluable asset. Faithfulness is something that you can offer even when you feel unprepared and inexperienced. You can still be faithful. Paul said to the Philippians in another letter. This is interesting. This is coming from Paul who knew he had something to brag about because of who he was and what he had. Nonetheless, he said, I'm not bragging about anything. But he says this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. Paul went on to write, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See how he's getting back into that athletic language of of staying the course, of finishing the race. He says, "I, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. If, you're, <laughs> if you wait for an immaculate house in order to host people, you will never host people, right? You, you always say, oh, I, I really want to have people over for dinner. I want to use my house, but man, it's always a mess. I've got all these people running around, or I'm really busy, and I never have time to clean up. And you know, one of these days, I'm going to get my house in order, going to clean it up, and then I'll have somebody over for dinner. It is not going to happen. If you wait for a perfectly immaculate house, if you wait for your life to be completely in order, you're never going, you're never going to have anybody over for dinner. <laughs> you're never going to bless anybody. If you're waiting for that kind of perfection. So listen, if Paul, of all people, if the apostle Paul knew that he wasn't perfect, what are you waiting for? If Paul knew he was a work in progress, then, then you're a work in progress. We're all works in progress. Faithfulness is not only something uh, that you can offer even when you're unprepared. And in experience, faithfulness is also something you can offer when you can't predict the results. When you have no control over and don't know what the outcomes of anything will be, faithfulness is still something you can offer. Paul, in verse 32, in the center of his address to the elders, says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul did his work, and then he gave him to God. He said, God's going to take care of you. God and his word is going to take care of you. Think of it this way. If I could, 
if I could use uh, financial language to describe what Paul had done with, the, with people in his life. He was committed to his investments, but he committed his returns to God. Okay? He was committed to people. He gave himself to people. He poured himself out to people. How they turned out? You know, the, re- the spiritual returns on his investments, he left that in, in God's hands. You know what? If you parent that way, parents, it will go a lot better for us. If we pour ourselves out to our children or to our friends or to the people around you here, you pour yourself out, you invest in people, but you leave the returns, you leave the results to God, it will allow you to have healthy expectations. It will allow you to not live in fear because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. It would allow you to avoid anger and bitterness when people don't turn out the way you want them to turn out. You invest in people, but you commit the returns to God. That's the way to be a friend and a parent. Um, It's the way to plant anything. And it's the way to serve. It's the way to give yourself. So your faithfulness to God's calling upon you is the most generous thing that you can do. And if you may be saying, well, I don't know what God's calling is on me. I don't know what his purpose is for me. That's okay. We've all started from there. Uh, the, the simplest way you start is, is, is you say, okay, I know, I know that God has made me a new creature. That, that he has, through the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, adopted me and reconciled me to himself. I'm no longer under God's wrath. I'm his adopted son. I'm his adopted daughter. I have a new identity. And nothing can change that. That's where you start. Your your first calling is to believe that and to not forget it. Because Paul said to the Philippians, only let us hold true to what we have attained. That's what you've attained. The grace that God has given you. So you start there. Your calling is never forget that. Remember that. Keep remembering it. That's the only foundation. And then together, and in prayer, and by reading God's word, and seeing what the needs are in the community and the world, well, we can figure out what our individual callings are. Because Paul had one, just like the elders in Ephesus had one. Just like I have one, you have one too. But your faithfulness to God's calling upon you is the most generous thing you can offer in this life. Now, here's what kills faithfulness. It's selfishness. Verse 24, we'll go back to it. Paul said, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. It's not that Paul thought he was a waste, that Paul thought he was nothing and useless and no good to anyone. He just didn't love his life too much so that he was unwilling to lay it down. And... (laughs) I think our problem is we value our lives more than we value our calling. Do you value your life more than you value your calling? Because if that's the case, then faithfulness becomes impossible. Isaiah, the ancient prophet Isaiah, he has this vision of the glory of God in the temple. You know, this was Isaiah's big moment. It changed his life. Uh, Isaiah receives his calling from God. And 
it's, it's a very interesting account. Read it in Isaiah chapter 6. But Isaiah said he heard a voice, of the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And Isaiah replies, Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and say to the... Now this is God talking again. Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and, their blind, and, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? <laughs> Isaiah says, how long do I have to do that? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitants, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. That sounds really depressing. How, why am I bringing this up? Well, how would Isaiah know he had done what God had called him to do? He would know that he had done what God had called him to do when people stopped listening to him and his society was in shambles. That's how he knew that he had done what God had called him to do. We ask ourselves as Americans, have I succeeded? Have I been successful? Are my children successful? Can I take pride in where I live and what I've done and where I work and who I'm associated with? We also ask ourselves, have I enjoyed myself? Have I, have I had pleasure and leisure and relaxation? So the two things we ask, are, we're, it, that is bred into us when we grow up in this society. Are we being successful? And are we enjoying ourselves? But God asks, have you been faithful? Have you been faithful? Are you pouring yourself out for God's purposes or are you holding yourself in for your own purposes? You're all pouring yourself out, everybody in this room. We pour ourselves out constantly. We give ourselves to something. What are you giving yourself to? Are you pouring yourself out, as Paul described in his own witness, are you pouring yourself out for God's purposes? Or are you holding yourself in for your own? In the end, we all have to ask ourselves, am I a giver or am I a taker? It's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. Am I a giver or am I a taker? The only way to be faithful, friends, is to embrace God's faithfulness. That is the cure to selfishness. That is the cure to unproductivity. To embrace the faithfulness of God. The Apostle John recorded a precious intimate prayer that Jesus offered up to his heavenly father in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, the night he was betrayed, the night before he was executed. And, and in that beautiful prayer in John chapter 17, I wanted to pull one phrase out for you. Jesus said to his heavenly father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. See, faithfulness for Jesus meant going to a cross. That's how he knew he had done what God had called him to do. 
You know why I'm saying that? Because the next day on the cross, John says that one of the last things he said before he died was, it is finished. Jesus, unlike Paul, unlike me, unlike you, Jesus was perfect. Jesus knew the outcomes, knew the results. He controlled them. He wrote them into being before the world began. And yet, we are told and we see from Jesus' life and from his ministry that he was faithful. He, had, he said at one point, doing, God's, doing the Father's will is like food for me. Doing the Father's will. And he continued in that. He was faithful to his very death. Literally, not figuratively, but literally pouring himself out to bring us to God. So, a lack of finances, you know, maybe you're coming from, we're all coming from different places in where we're struggling and discouraged, but a lack of finances or bad health, mental or physical, having no time, being discouraged, whatever it may be, lacking in some major way, none of these things can compromise your faithfulness. And here's why. Because none of those things drive faithfulness. Money does not drive faithfulness. Your good health does not drive faithfulness. Your intelligence, your more experience, another degree. None of these things drive faithfulness. Love does. Love drives faithfulness. Years ago when our kids were little, and I think, I think, I think when our third child was born, uh, my, my, mother, my mother was taking care of, of, of our, our older two who were still very little. They were in diapers. They were running around. They were rascals. And, uh, but my mom had a back condition, had really weak back, and couldn't do a lot of physical things. But she had the kids for us, and I remember hearing oh, that that while we were in the hospital, she took the kids home and they were asleep and she got these sleeping toddlers out of, the, out of the van and carried them up the stairs into their beds because they were asleep and they couldn't walk themselves. And, and I remember saying, Mom, how did, you, how did you get them up the stairs? And she kind of croaked out the word, love. <laughs> love will make you do things, right, that you wouldn't necessarily do. Love drives faithfulness. That's, that's what you're missing if you're not faithful. You're too darn selfish. But love will cure you of that if you look to Jesus because that's why Jesus was faithful to the cross, the Bible tells us, because he loved his heavenly father and he loved you. That's why he was faithful, because he loved you. Which is why the New Testament keeps bringing people back and back and back again to the message of, don't you know how much Jesus loves you? Nothing, nothing could be productive in your life until, until you, you really grasp and believe and own that. Jesus' love drove his faithfulness. Now, now you let his love drive your faithfulness. When Billy Graham who apparently, according to his son Franklin, loved to visit persecuted Christians. He, when he was in a place, a part in the world where he knew people had been persecuted, he would find people and, and visit them to encourage them and learn from them. When Billy Graham visited Pastor Wang McDowell, who was a Christian leader, a 
persecuted Christian leader in China. He visited him and he asked him, do you have a word from the Lord for us? And the old man was silent and thought for a while. And, and then this is what the old man said. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's the reward that Paul was thinking about. The crown of life is something that God has. It's something that God gives you. It's, it's something that happens later. <laughs> You won't won't see it right now. Um, So whether you're suffering for your faith in Jesus or whether you're just struggling to get through the next day, your faithfulness may be the most valuable thing that you ever have to offer. And may the love of Christ compel you to faithfulness. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus that you did not shrink from death. Thank you that we now have benefited from your faithfulness and now in your name and with your love, help us to stay the course, help us to stay awake, help us to just show up, willing to be used, and to remain faithful to what you've called us to. If any of my friends here, Father, don't know what you've called them to or don't know you, I pray that the knowledge process would begin that they would comprehend how great is the love of Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.